Sunday. Come on, I said, I think you need to be here every Sunday. I think you need to be here every Wednesday night too. I think you miss a lot when you're not here on a Wednesday too, because God shows up to church every day. I just want you to know that. He's here whether you're here or not. And if he's here and you're not, guess what? You're going to miss him. Well, Pastor Philip, my body's the temple of the living God. Well, praise God. But God also said that we should not forsake the assembling together. And there's something, I don't know about you, but I needed that worship and praise tonight. Come on, I felt that. Anyone feel that tonight? And you don't get that just at home on your own. You need that. And there's something about corporate praise and corporate worship together. And we just want to bless God with that. Amen. Come on, just put your hands out right now like this. We're going to pray because we're talking tonight about you're going to reap what you sow. We're talking tonight about you're going to reap what you sow. And we're putting out our hands tonight just as giving, as sowing into our lives, into our families, into our futures, into our finances. I don't know what the needs are of your life right now, but I'm telling you right now, I know the one who can provide and meet your needs. And the Bible speaks that if we want to get, we have to first give. In giving, we will receive. In the name of Jesus, we just pray, Lord, as we put our hands out there right now, as just a sign of giving to you, surrendering, yielding God to you. God, we've all got things in our lives that we want to change. We've all got things that we need breakthroughs and miracles. God, we just have all got things in our lives that we've been praying for God, you just to intervene. And God, I pray tonight that we would see breakthroughs in our life. That God, you would give us hope as Robert so adequately said earlier, God, that we would just bring hope into people's lives today, that God has not forsaken them, God has not forgotten them, but God has us right where he wants us. And God, we thank you for that. We praise you for that. In Jesus' name, amen. Now take those hands and just slap someone beside you. There you go, there you go. And say, you're looking good tonight. Great to be in the church. Come on. I want to talk about a subject as I already gave away tonight, but it's a subject I believe is vitally important for you to understand and realize the truth of in your life. Because you can't beat this. Let me say that again. You can't beat this. Come on, you can't get around this. You can't fudge the figures to make it work for you. And you are not an exception to it. It's amazing how many people there are in church that think that they're an exception to the rule. That they think, oh, that will never happen to me. That's one of the greatest lies that the enemy will feed us. It will never happen to you. A lot of people think they're above the law. Come on, that they're so super spiritual that that anything God's going to just produce and do in their life. But I want to tell you something, and that is this. One thing is going to happen to your life. And it's going to happen to your family. And it's going to happen to your future. And here's what it is. You're going to reap what you're going to sow. You will reap what you sow. Every thought that you have, every decision that you make, 
Every choice that you choose, every action that you make today, they are seeds. I want you to know that. They are seeds. And there's something about the characteristic of a seed that you and I need to know, and it's really important. And that was this. A seed was created not to stay the same way. Okay? A seed wasn't created to stay the same way. A seed was created that as it grows, it multiplies. Think about that. As it grows, it multiplies. So a seed was made to produce a harvest of what? Whatever was sown. So we don't just put one seed in the ground and get one seed back. Come on, we put one seed in the ground and because of the nature of a seed, it multiplies and grows and we get a return back, a multiplication of that which we put. So it's not just one in and one out. Come on, it's one in, but a multitude. Come on, say with me, multitude. It's a multitude back. And that's a problem if we're sowing the wrong things. Come on now, if we're just saying a bad word, we're reaping a whole lot more than just one word back. Come on, if we're just saying a bad or thinking a bad thought, we're getting a lot more back because that's the nature of a seed. We can't beat that. We can't fudge that. We can't be higher than that. That's just a law that mankind has to live by. We have to live by. Even as children of God, we are still governed by that. So I'm going to turn to a really familiar passage of Scripture. I'm sure most of you would know this off by heart. It's Galatians chapter 6, verse 7 through 9. Galatians 6, 7 through 9. And I just really believe I've got a word of encouragement into your life tonight and a word that's going to speak to you and challenge your life and just to really help you. It's kind of funny how this verse starts. It's kind of funny. If you were to say to someone and you were going to go up to him and say, Hey, Jim, I want to tell you something. But before I tell you, I just want you to know, watch out because you could be deceived. What does that do? It's putting someone on the back foot almost straight away. It's like a warning. Do you notice that? There's a warning that's coming out of the possibility of what? That we can all fall victim to what's going to happen next. There's like a warning. It's a warning sign. Normally you wouldn't start a sentence like this. Hey, I want to tell you something. Watch out. It's not good. So just be careful. You would normally tell someone, but we can see that right from the beginning, obviously this is something we need to be totally aware of, that we need to sit up and take note because there's a risk involved, I believe, that you need to see for your future if you don't get this right. Come on, you're the one that's going to be deceived. It's not your neighbor, it's not your spouse, it's not anyone else around. But the Bible says, do not be deceived. You watch out for the deception that can come to your life. So every one of you, there's a chance it can happen to you. And if there wasn't a chance, it wouldn't be mentioned in the first place. New Living Translation starts by saying, don't be misled. Don't be misled. To be misled is what? To be directed the wrong way, taken to the wrong place. So watch that we're not taken to the wrong place, deceived into thinking that everything's right when perhaps things are all wrong. So read on with me, verse 7. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. I love how the Message Bible presents it. It says this, no one makes a fool of God. Don't be deceived. No one makes a fool of God. For whatever, say that with me, whatever, a man sows, that he will also reap. That Greek word there for whatever is the same actually in the Greek and the Hebrew, and it means this, it means the same. 
It means the same. So it, it includes both good and bad. So whatever, whether it's productive or unproductive, whether it's life or whether it's death, whatever you sow, good or bad, right or wrong, you are going to reap the harvest or the return of that. Now, you may not reap it instantly. Okay? You may not have it instantly. It may not be there straight away, but I'm telling you, it's coming back to you. And remember how, not just as one, it's coming back to you multiplied because God is in the multiplying business. Verse 8, for he who sows to the flesh will of, will of his flesh reap corruption. Let me break that down so you can understand that. It's kind of a mouthful right there. It says those, those who live only to satisfy their own sinful desires will harvest the consequences of decay and death. So if you want to live for yourself and you do life your way and make the decisions and the choices for your life, the Bible's saying you're going to reap of the flesh. You're going to reap of those choices. And the reaping that you'll have is decay and death because there's nothing good that can come way of the flesh. Come on, our struggle each and every day is the flesh, isn't it? The flesh man that wants to rule and reign in our life and we've got to put him to death in our lives. And what that also was saying, let me break it down a little bit further. You ready? If you gossip about your friends, you're going to lose their friendship. Come on, I mean, let's just talk about it. If you're going to sow into the flesh, you're going to reap of the rewards of that. And we've got to watch. We're not above all of these things. Every action has results is what the Word of God is telling us. So let's read on. It says, but he who sows to the Spirit will of the Spirit reap ever." Everlasting life. What a promise. Not just life, but everlasting life. God's not just a God of life, is He? He's a God of an abundance of life. God has abundance and a surplus that He wants to give into your life. I just want to read verse 8, if I could, from the Message Bible tonight. Listen to this. I love it. It says, The person who plants selfishness, ignoring the needs of others, and ignoring God, harvests a crop of weeds. And all he will have to show for his life is weeds. But the one who plants in response to God gets God's spirit to do the growth and the work in him. Come on, that's what we want, isn't it? We don't want weeds. We want God's work to grow. And does anyone want God or weeds? Come on, I want God's work. I don't want weeds to grow. And a harvests a crop of real life, eternal life. Life. I love that, that when we sow according to God, we harvest a crop of life. And it says real life, which is eternal life. Hmm, let me think about that. Sow to the flesh, get the reward to the flesh. Sow to the spirit, get the eternal life and the real life of God. That's a no-brainer. Come on, that's a no-brainer. There's nothing to think about there apart from the fact that if I sow the wrong seeds, I can positively destroy my life. Because the Bible clearly tells us that. That you and I can forfeit the real eternal life that God has for our lives. And we are the only ones to blame. Oh my God, we like to pass the blame. We like to blame everyone else. This world and society we live in tonight. No one wants to take ownership. No one wants to take responsibility, accountability. Everyone wants to pass the buck. But I'm telling you right now, you have only yourself to blame. Why? Because notice it doesn't say about anyone else planting into your life. It talks about you 
planting into your life. No one can plant seeds into your life. Come on. No one else can plant seeds. You may say, well, they can. They can plant thoughts into your life that you can act upon. Maybe, but they are not the ones that can physically place them there. They can just suggest those things and you're the one that functions on those and acts on those and carries those things out. So no one else is weeding up your garden. You're in charge of your own garden. God wants you to take care of it. Are you still with me? And love verse 9. Here's verse 9. Are you ready? And let us not grow weary while doing good. Come on, say with me, sowing good seeds. Don't grow weary while you're doing good. Sowing the right seeds for in due season. Come on, say with me, it's coming. Come on, say it with some attitude. Come on, say it with some soul. Come on, it's coming. Come on, it's coming. Because we shall reap if we do not lose heart. Come on, if you don't quit and if you don't give up, you're going to make it. Come on, you're going to make it. New Living Translation says, so don't get tired of doing what's good. Isn't that the struggle so many times? That we get wore down and we get tired and the enemy says you're spinning your wheels and you're wasting your time. Come, we don't need to listen to him. Because if you want to know of the enemy's line, if he's opening his mouth, and his mouth is moving, he's lying to you. He's incapable of speaking the truth. He's the father of lies. And even a partial truth is a whole lie. Come on now. Come on. It's either all truth or it's not. Come on. So even partial truths are not the truths that God has for your life. So don't get tired of doing what is good. Don't get discouraged and give up. Ever been there? Maybe you're there right now. Maybe you're discouraged right now. Maybe you're at the point of giving up. You've got to hear the next three words. For we will. Come on. For we will. For you will reap a harvest. A specific harvest that God has for you. Of what? Of blessing. Notice God says, I've got a specific harvest. And what is it? To bless you. A blessing. And God says this, you will reap a harvest of blessing at the appropriate time. Come on, say with me tonight, his time. Come on, say it, his time. Problem is, his time can be very different to our time. We're what? We're we're impatient. Come on, let's just, just be honest right now. We're impatient. What does that mean? We want everything yesterday. We don't want it tomorrow, we want it now, and even now is too late. What's up, God? You're a little bit slow on delivering. If you would have just come through, then I wouldn't have lost this, and this wouldn't have happened, and that. Come on, we are so impatient, especially when we live in a society now where everything has to be so fast. Come on, if we're waiting now for our computer to turn on for like five seconds, we're like throwing it out and saying it's a piece of junk. We're just, we're just like that now. We just want a microwaved society. Everything nuked, everything bam, bam, bam. Quick, quick, quick. We're saying that to people all the time. Come on, hurry, hurry, hurry. I'm in a hurry, 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 hurry. Everything we do many times is based on impatience. And unfortunately, we handle God the same way. And here's the problem. His time versus our time is so different. His time is this. Are you ready? His time is when he knows we need it. Our time is when we think we need it. You ever had things that you thought you needed, but you got them too prematurely? And it caused problems and it caused harm and it never brought you the blessing that you thought. Why? Because it's not just about what he gives, but the importance is of the timing in the gift, what he gives. Because I know this, let me just help you all out. Can I help you? As a pastor, let me help you. A lot of people fall victim to the word of prophecy. 
believe in prophecy. I believe in God speaking a word of prophecy. But, and I'm not going to go into depth about it, but I'm telling you this. I believe prophecy should be something that God has already confirmed to you. God has already spoken into your life. It shouldn't be something new. It's not like someone's a fortune teller and speaking things over your life that you don't know. It's something that bears witness with what God has already been dealing with you or there's something that there's a revelation of that, okay, in your life, okay? So what you've got to understand about prophecy is this. Say, for example, someone comes to prophesy over me and says, I see you one day ministering in a foreign country, okay? That's what happened as a young man. God spoke to me in England. And look where I'm at, in a foreign country. You're a bunch of foreigners. Just want you to know that. You're a bunch of foreigners. Just want to know that. But notice what happened is God spoke that as an early age in my life, but it didn't happen straight away. And what a lot of people fall victim to the thought is this, that God says to do it, but his timing of doing it can be very different. And God given us the instruction upon our life and then the green light to do those things, I'm telling you, are two very separate things. And the majority of the time, they don't happen at the same time. So when God speaks something into your life, there's then a time period before God fulfills that and says, now it's time to go. Why? Because he is now preparing you during that time to be ready to go. Can you understand that? And a lot of people fall victim because as soon as God says something in their life, they automatically assume that God's given them the green light and they go, they sell everything, they move and they miss God. So you've got to seek, just as important as you seek the Word of God over your life, I'm going to say this, more important is to seek the timing of God for the fulfillment of that Word in your life, okay? That's not on my notes, that's just a bonus for you. But that's the struggle that we have in our lives because we get impatient. Well, I know God wants me to be blessed and I know God wants me to have this. Yes, He does, but He also wants you to find the perfect timing for those things because then everything is going to always fall into place. So what do we know about the timing of God? I'm telling you, it very seldom is immediate. Most of the time when God tells us to do something immediately, it's because we're in error or we're wrong. And God doesn't want us to stay in that way, so there's an immediate need for attention in those regards. But then when God is directing us and using us and giving us wisdom through our lives, many times when he is speaking things into our lives, very seldom is it immediate. And because we don't see immediate results, what tends to happen? We lose heart. We give up on it. We think we've missed God. We think we didn't hear God for our lives. And so easily, most of us, even if we don't give up and let go of it, we think about it. And we're struggling with that. And we're battling through that. Here's some of the things that we find. Are you ready? When we're talking about sowing and reaping. When things aren't happening in the timing immediately like we think we should. Here's some of the thought patterns that we go through. Pastor, the more I pray, it seems to be getting worse. Have you been in that place? Have you ever been in that place? Come on, I shared that a couple of weeks ago. Kelly and I were in that place just with things that was happening all around us. The more we prayed for our kids, it seemed, the more the attack was. And Kelly came to me and says, you know what, I I, I don't even know if I'm going to pray for our kids anymore. Now, she didn't mean that because we we pray for our kids. But you know what I'm saying? You get so discouraged that you're like, when you're really purposely just really stick in there and you just start praying, it just seems like all hell is breaking out. So listen to this. The pastor, the more I pray, the worse I get. So here's my question. What you get, is that what you're praying for? Is that what you're praying for? The worse it gets. Are you praying for your family to get worse and worse? Come on. 
So you're not, are you? You're praying for breakthroughs. You're praying for miracles. Come on, stay with me tonight, okay? So here's the deal. If the more I pray, the worse it gets. Guess what? That's not the harvest that I'm expecting to receive. So what do I need to do? I need to keep praying. Because I'm not getting the harvest back that I'm praying for. Come on, according to the seeds that I'm sowing, I'm not getting that harvest back. So what do I do? I've got to keep praying. I've got to keep trusting. I've got to keep believing. Come on, people say, Pastor, I've been praying. My husband still isn't saved. My kids are still away from God. Again, is that the harvest? Is that what you believe in? No, the Bible says there's household salvation. There's a lamb for the house that I'm going to see my loved ones come in and get saved. So guess what? If that's not the harvest that I'm believing for in my life and I see according to God's word, what have I got to do? I've got to keep, I've got to keep praying. Come on, people say this, Pastor, I've been paying my tithes, but I'm still not seeing the financial breakthroughs in my life. Is that the harvest that you're praying? Is that the harvest? No, it's not. So what do I do? I keep being a steward and I keep paying and I keep being faithful to follow the instruction of God because I'm sowing the right seeds, trusting him to bring the harvest at the right time. And I want you to know something tonight. It will come. It will come. And you may say, well, how do you know that, Pastor? I mean, it's been years, it's been months. How do you know that? I know that because God says you are going to reap if you don't lose heart. If you don't give up, you're going to reap. And that's good enough for me because if God says it, I'm just just simple enough to believe God at His Word. I'm just going to trust God at His Word. Come on, I can question everything else in this world, but I don't need to be questioning God. Because the reality is this, God has never given me a reason to question Him. The only the questions that I have is because of my own stupidity and my foolishness. And then I throw a question on God saying, what's up, God? And God's like looking back and say, what's up, me? What's up, you? Come on now. Come on, what's up with you? What's going on in your life? So as long as we keep sowing the right seeds, it will happen in your life. What appears to be nothing happening doesn't mean nothing's happening. I want to say that one more time. What appears to be the fact that nothing's happening doesn't mean nothing is happening. Come on, at times God may be silent, but that never means He's absent. Come on, He is never absent. And I like what Jensen Franklin preached one time. He says this, the teacher has to be silent during the test. Think about that. In the classroom, the teacher has to be silent during the test. And sometimes we want God to give us all the answers and he has to be quiet. Why? Because we're the ones that's going through the test to see if we're going to be faithful. The word of God speaks of as in the natural, so in the spiritual. That's why Jesus used a lot of natural um, illustrations. We call them parables. It's an earthly story with a heavenly implication, a heavenly meaning. Jesus used natural things to reinforce the Word of God. Why? Because as in the natural, so in the spiritual. And you've got to understand that when we realize a seed, just as a natural seed, when it is planted in the ground, it doesn't automatically spring up. Or let me rephrase that. If it automatically springs up, there's problems because there's nothing down. Okay? So the first thing that has to happen is there has to be a root first. And just because you don't see a root doesn't mean nothing is happening. There has to be a root before there's a shoot. Has to be that way. 
And what I've come to realize in life, and I really want to help you tonight. As a pastor, I want to help you, and that is this. In life, we see an iceberg perception. We see an iceberg perception of life. The circumstances and the situations and everything we face, we see it as an iceberg reality, as an iceberg perception. And let me explain that. An iceberg has about 20% above the surface and has about 80% beneath the surface. So what you see above is a fraction of the size of the depth of that which is below. 20% above, 80% below. What we witness in our lives and what we see happening around us manifested Outwardly, I believe, is just a small fraction of everything that God is truly doing in our lives. What am I talking about? You may say, hey, God spared me from an accident this morning. Can I tell you how many hundreds of accidents God has spared you from and you didn't even know were coming your way? Come on, that 80% of God doing things that you didn't give him the glory and praise for. Why? Because according to your perception, he didn't do anything. I want you to see something today that God is doing a whole lot more in your life. And his desire is to do a whole lot more through your life if you'll just trust him. But we live in that shallow environment. We want to see everything. We want to feel everything. And we want to know everything. Why? Because we want to be in control. I'm telling you, that's right, you're not in control. And you've got to realize that in our lives, it has to first go down before it can come up. Because anything that's sustainable has to have a structure upon which it's built. It has to have a root system. And I'm telling you, too many of us want to live a skyscraper life. You know what a skyscraper is? 80% above the surface and 20% down. We want everyone to see and all to... I'm telling you. I want a depth in my life greater than that which is seen in my life because it will then sustain anything that is seen in my life. When we get to heaven, I believe we're going to, every one of us are going to realize everything that God did for us. Everything that God spared us from. Everything that He saved us from. And I believe that's why we're just going to fall down in adoration and worship and praise before him. Because just the things we see is nothing compared to the things that God does on our behalf each and every day. And what have we got to remember? The deeper the root, the deeper the unseen. But God, what, why are things not happening? Why is it not? What's God? The deeper the unseen, the greater the shoot. Come on, the greater of that which can be manifested and seen in our life. You and I have just got to keep watering it. We've got to keep nurturing it. We've got to keep praying for it. We've got to keep speaking life over it. And we've got to keep trusting God. Because here's one thing we know again from God's word. Genesis 8 verse 22. Jesus says these words and he says, While the earth remains... There will be, notice the first thing he says there's going to be. There's going to be seed time and then there's going to be harvest. There's going to be cold and heat, winter, summer, day and night. Notice the last part. It shall not cease. In other words, it will always be. There's always going to be a seed time and a harvest for your life. But come on, let's just be honest tonight. We're in church, a good place to be honest. 
How many struggle with God's timetable at times? We all do. We all do. Because he doesn't say tomorrow, the next day. He says in due season. Come on, he kind of leaves it out there, doesn't he? It's like, well, God, could you nail that down a little bit? And he says in due season. Meaning in my time and when it's about. And we kind of struggle with that because we want some particulars. We would like a little bit more detail. God, detail. Can we have a little bit more detail with that? Because due season can mean any time. But what we've got to still remind ourselves It also means this, that at a time it will come. It may not come when you want it, but it's going to come. It's still going to come. And I want to give you tonight three things that you can rely on, okay? Three things that you can trust God with when it comes to reaping what you're going to sow. Are you ready? Point number one. God will cause a harvest to come from your seeds. That's one thing that you can rely on. That God will produce a harvest from the seeds that you have sown. Now I'm saying this this way. The harvest that you reap is in accordance to the seed that you sow. God's going to return the seeds that you sow. So if it's negativity and stuff, don't be complaining about the harvest. Come on now. Because it's the seeds that you and I sow. God will cause a harvest to come from our seeds. What we reap will come back To you. Here's the second point. Are you ready? God is never early or late. He's always right on time. It'd be great if he was early sometimes. Thank God he's not late. We think he's late. We know he's never early. But one thing we've got to know is this. He's always right on time. Why is that? Because God knows what you need and just when you need it. Come on. He created you. What does that mean? He knows what makes you tick. He knows what you need for your life. God knows the exact perfect timing of your life. Here's a question for you today. Are you ready? How many premature promises and blessings do we have out there in our lives struggling on life support because we couldn't wait on him. Let me say that one more time. I wonder how many premature promises and blessings we have in our life that is out there struggling on life support because we couldn't wait on him. And then what do we do? We blame him for it. Can't believe God, bad God. We don't like you. What's wrong with you? Not his fault. Come on, it's not his fault. Children of Israel found out that the hard way. Thousands of them died. Why? Because they got angry with God and they wanted what they wanted. And while the Bible says the flesh was still between their mouths, in their mouths, and God struck them down. Why? Because God was displeased with them. For what reason? They didn't trust him with their lives. They wanted immediate satisfaction. They wanted the, rewar- the rewards of slavery. I mean, think about that. They wanted the rewards of being back in bondage where God was setting them free. But all they could see was, I wished we were back there because at least we had something to eat. Yeah. Again, what was it? It was just the fulfillment of the flesh and nothing to do with it. They were in bondage. They were miserable. But at least we had something to eat. It's amazing how many times God gets the blame for things 
where God has the means to be able to sustain us and bring us through. And he always does what he needs to do right on time. Don't try to make it happen. Because when you try to make it happen, the only thing that's going to happen is a mess. The only thing that you can make happen is a mess. And a royal mess. Listen to me. You're not called to be the maker. You are called to be the receiver. Come on, you're not the one that's called to make it happen. You're the one that's called to receive from the maker the rewards and blessings that he wants to give into your life. So there's got to be a root before there's a shoe. Is this okay tonight? Here's the third thing. Are you ready? So God will cause a harvest to come from your seeds. God's never early or late. He's always right on time. And number three, here's what we kind of talked about too. Our harvest will always be the same nature as our seed sown. Our harvest will always be what we've sown. Our seeds will always produce after their own kind. So your seed, your words, your thoughts, your actions determine your harvest. Your harvest of return. Good seeds will equal a good harvest. Bad seeds will equal, come on, help me out. A bad harvest. And we've got to realize that in our life. So that's what we know. That's what we know. So what do we do in the process of knowing that? Okay, I've got that, Pastor. I understand that. That, that, that it's going to happen and God's timing and, and I'm going to reap what I've... Okay, I've got that. But what do I do through the process of waiting? What do I th- do in the process when things aren't happening like they think I think they should? I want to give you three truths tonight to help you with that, okay? And then we're going to pray for you tonight. Truth number one, are you ready? You've got to refuse to become discouraged. Come on, you've got to refuse to be not discovered. You've got to refuse to be discouraged. You've got to refuse to be discouraged. I want to say that one more time. You've got to refuse to be discouraged, which is easier said than done. Amen. But it's possible. It is possible. Instead of being discouraged, you've got to remind yourself. Are you ready? Here's what you've got to remind yourself. When you're not seeing things happening like you think they should, you've got to remind yourself of this. Wow, this must be some root. Come on now. This must be some root. So guess what? Man, it's going to produce some shoot. Come on now. Instead of saying, God, what's going on? Just start thanking him because the deeper it's going is because of the higher he wants to bring it into your life. So if it's not happening right now, it's because he's preparing and doing something that can produce the greatness of that in your life. So you've got to be encouraged that he hasn't forgotten you, but at the right time, he's going to produce it in your life. I love this scripture, Ephesians 3 verse. 20, one of my favorite scriptures in the Word of God. Now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power that works in us. What God says is, I can do greater things than you. We can even imagine that you can even believe that you can even think. God says, I can do exceedingly abundantly. But we get so discouraged because it's not happening. Come on, we need to allow the exceedingly abundantly God, the provider just to take care of his business because he knows what he's doing and he knows what he needs. we need and he's going to give it to us just like we need it. You've got to know and remind yourself what's the end result of discouragement. 
you're going to quit. You're going to give up and you're going to stop. Come on, you've got to refuse. You've got to tell yourself. I like David. David spoke to himself and said, why are you cast down, oh my soul? Hope in the Lord. You've got to build yourself up. The Bible speaks about building yourself up in the Holy Ghost. You need that evidence of the Holy Spirit inside of you, that heavenly language that can build you up, that when you get discouraged, the Bible says David was discouraged one day and he encouraged himself in the Lord. What did he do? I'm telling you what he did. The Bible doesn't tell us, but I know what David did. David went into his tent and he saw on the wall. What did he see? He saw, he saw a lion skin on the, on the wall. He began to remind himself of what God had done. And then he took his shoes off and he began to rub his toes through that bare rug that he had in front of his fireplace. Come on, he's looking at the lion skin and he's rubbing his toes through that bear. And then he's looking over and look over there. There's a, there's a head that's a remembrance of what a giant that he took down. He reminds himself of the goodness of God in his life and he tells himself this, are you ready? God, if you did it for me then, you haven't left me now and you can do it for me right now again because I believe you're the same God that you were then. You're the same God that you are now. Come on, you got to refuse to be discouraged. And unfortunately, the people that you think are going to be the encouraging people around you most of the time are going to be the ones that say, just like Job's wife, just curse God and die. You must have done something. And then Job's friends show up. Man, great friends. They were discouragement, weren't they? What have you done? What do you think you've done? Man, you just soon just curse God and just die. What did Job say? Job says, naked I came into this world and naked I may leave. But what did he say? But the Lord giveth and the Lord taketh away. Blessed, blessed be the name of the Lord. He refused to be discouraged. Come on, you've got to refuse it. When discouragement comes, the Bible says when the enemy comes in like a flood. Come on, you've got to raise up that standard. What is that standard? It's the Word of God. It's the truth of God. You've got to raise up that standard against Him. You've got to remind yourself. Man, I feel like preaching tonight. You've got to remind yourself, greater is He that is within me than he that's in the world. God's not given me a spirit of fear. That's discouragement. Come on. God's not given me fear and discouragement. He's given me power. He's given me love. What is love? Relationship. I'll never leave you and forsake you. He's given me Him, His presence, His power and His presence. And what? He's given me the ability to have a control over my mind and over the way I think. And we've got to control our minds because if we don't have control over our mind, our mind is going to take control over our bodies. Come on, you've got to refuse to be discouraged. Is this okay tonight? Number two, I'm almost done, almost done. You've got to determine to keep your faith alive and active. You've got to determine... You've got to fight for it. Come on, I said sometimes you've got to fight for it. You've got to push through. You're going to wake up days and you're not going to feel like reading the Word. Come on, you're going to wake up and you're not going to feel like coming to church. Come on, you're going to wake up and you're not going to feel like having a time with God and praying and, and just getting alone. You're, going to ha- you're not going to feel like that every day. But what have you got to do when you're waiting, when you're living, when you're sowing? You've got to determine yourself to keep your faith alive and keep it active. Mark 9 verse 23, love this word. Jesus said to him, if you can believe, 
all things are possible to him who believes. If you can keep life flowing inside of you, come on, that's what he's saying. Keep believing, keep living, be living, come on, be living in God, believing in God. Keep faith alive inside of you and all things are possible to those who believe like that. I'm telling you, you know what I believe is so important to keeping your faith alive? is church. I believe church plays such an important part. And I'm just going to go on the record and saying this, and not just any church. You've got to be in the right church. If your church is not changing you, you need to change your church. Come on now. Because you need to be in a vibrant atmosphere that you're coming in. Too many churches today are tickling people's ears. I don't want to come in and have my ears tickled, man. I want someone to slap me upside the head. I want to be convicted of the errors of my life. I want to be corrected. I want to be challenged in my life. Why? Because that builds faith. The Bible says faith comes by hearing and hearing the Word of God. And we've got to have that inside of us. There's an important truth there that we don't get when we don't come to the house. We don't hear faith. Come on, we don't hear the word. People want to say, what's the importance of going to church? I am the church. The Bible says faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. You need to be under the preaching and the anointing of the teaching of the word of God so it can build the faith. You've got to keep that alive inside of you. You need to surround yourself, are you ready, with faith filled people that will lift your spirit. Come on, there's so many soothsayers out there. There's so much negativity out there. For some of you, it may be not a bad thing to turn off Facebook for a while and get rid of some social media because all you're filling yourself with, with everyone else's status updates and how gloom and doom and despair the world is. That doesn't help you when you're trying to keep your faith alive and you're trying to keep, remember what I said the other day? You need to get off Facebook and get on your face and get in the book. Come on now. Get off Facebook. Get on your face and get into the book, into the Word of God. It's going to build your life and it's going to strengthen your life. Come on, you need some Aaron and hers around you. What did Aaron and her do when Moses got tired? What did they do? They lifted up his hands. Come on, you're going to be weary. I don't care who you are. No one's superhuman. Come on, you're going to be weary. You need to come into the house of God and for someone to say, come on, I'm praying with you. I'm standing with you. I'm supporting you. Tonight when you lifted up your hands and Rob said, does anyone in here need hope? People put up their hands. What did we do? We came upon you and we imparted hope. We spoke blessing and truth into your life. Come on, that made you feel alive, didn't it? And every time Moses had his hands up, there was a victory. When his hands went down, there was defeat. I'm telling you in your life, you will never suffer defeat when your hands are lifted and you're praising God and you're worshiping God. I like what Roy Stockstill says. He says, a man on his face can never fall from that position. A man on his face before God can never fall from that position. You're going to be weary. You're going to get tired. That's why you need people around you. Listen to this scripture, Psalms 126, verse 5. Those who sow in tears shall reap in joy. Those who sow in tears shall reap in joy. Some of you may say, well, why quote that scripture? I don't understand what you mean by that. Here's what we mean by that. Here's what this scripture means. It paints a picture of what? That it's not always going to be easy. Come on, there's a sowing of tears. It's not everything's going to be hunky-dory, that everything's going to be right and it's going to be sunshine and beautiful times all the time, okay? So it's not always going to be easy. You're never going to always feel on top of the world. But notice what it's saying is this. It may not be easy, but the results are going to be worth the tears. 
Isn't that beautiful? It may not be easy, but the results are going to be worth the tears. Number three, almost done. I've said that how many times tonight? Number three, it's the last point. Keep sowing the right seeds. Can't be discouraged. Keep your faith alive and active. And you keep sowing the right seeds. You keep giving. You keep loving. And you don't stop. You've got to learn to live in an, at, an attitude of expectancy. Come on, so when you sow right, you're going to reap well. I'm telling you something that I've heard about expectancy and I've shared it before, but it's so good I'm going to share it again. Expectancy is still your breeding ground for miracles. Expectancy is still your breeding ground. When you start expecting, God, I'm sowing those seeds. We're not having an entitlement. God, you owe me. But we're expecting God to move. Why? Because he says, as we reap, we're going to sow. We expect God to be true to his word. Come on, we expect God. And here's another thought. We expect or we need to expect God to inspect the seeds that we sow because he is going to reap the harvest of that which we sow. When and where it's going to happen in your life is that area of expectancy and believing God. Come on, you and I are going to reap what we sow. So what have we got to do? Are you ready? You better check your seed. Come on, you better check your seed. Check your seed. Just bow your heads all over this place tonight. We would like to thank you for listening to this message today. We pray that your life has been challenged by what you've heard. But we also know it will be changed as you put God's word into effect. At Heart Seas Family Life Church, our doors are always open to help. If you need any more information or just a friend to listen, we are here. Call us at 225-274-1607 or email us at pastorp at hflc.us. Remember, put God first in your life and everything you do will prosper. We look forward to seeing you soon. God bless.